0: Good morning, and welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistat, Missouri. I am Darren Shane, your announcer for this, the eighth Sunday after Pentecost. The Reverend Jake Sletton will deliver today's message. Assisting in the worship service today is the organist, Mrs. Susan Siniger, and the acolytes are Carson Ray and Peyton Minnie. Today's order of worship is at www.trinityfreistat.com. This broadcast is sponsored by Elder and Margaret Hawley in thankfulness for Margaret's test coming back negative and dedicated to the glory of God. May God bless us as we worship Him him together.
1: All right, we have just a few announcements before we begin with our worship uh, service today. First of all, there will be a support group after church today for all of the Cardinals fans in wake of last night's news. People are clapping about this. Okay. So maybe, uh, maybe it's more of a celebratory group. Is that what it is? Okay, more of a celebratory group. Okay. Um, they fired their manager is all. And, uh, yeah. Okay. Next, VBS begins this evening from 5.30 to 7.45, and we'll run through this Thursday, July the 19th. Uh, please be sure if you have children or grandkids who haven't yet signed up and want to, there is still time to do that. Uh, Mission and Evangelism will be doing a food in-gathering. We have a table set up to take any cash donations and will be collecting food next Sunday. Uh, St. John's Lutheran Church in Stones Prairie, their annual picnic is this Friday evening, July the 20th, beginning at 6 p.m. There is a covered dish luncheon Sunday, July 29th, following the church service. Please bring a a covered dish to share And then the voters' meeting will follow uh, the luncheon. And then finally, there is our adult summer Bible study. Read the readings every Thursday evening in the sanctuary here from 7 to 8 p.m. where we take a look at the coming Sunday's lectionary readings. And with that, let's open with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, how good it is to be here today. Lord, certainly one day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Lord, we thank you that you have called each and every one of us here by the Holy Spirit. Lord, we are not here by accident or chance, uh, but because your Spirit has called us to do so. And Lord, now we pray that you would give us a zeal this morning for your house of worship here. Thank you for Jesus, who has washed away all of our sins. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Please stand. We begin this morning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our help is in the name of the Lord. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? Since we are gathered to hear God's word, call upon him in prayer and praise, and receive the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of this altar. Let us first consider our unworthiness, and confess before God and one another that we have sinned in thought, word, and deed, and that we cannot free ourselves from our sinful condition. Together as his people, let us take refuge in the infinite mercy of God, our Heavenly Father, seeking his grace for the sake of Christ, and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Almighty God have mercy upon us, forgive us our sins, and lead us to a life. Amen. Almighty God, in His mercy, has given His Son to die for you, and for His sake, He forgives you all of your sins. So then, in the stead and by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, I therefore forgive you all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my pleas for mercy. In your day, for you. in your Enter not into judgment with your servant. No Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love. Glory, to you, Glory, Glory be to be the Father Lord, and to and the Jesus. Son. And to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life. Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. O Lord, you granted your prophets strength to resist the temptations of the devil and courage to proclaim repentance. Give us pure hearts and minds to follow your Son faithfully, even into suffering and death. Through the same Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.
2: The Old Testament reading is from Amos chapter 7, verses 10 through 17. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent the message to Jeroboam, king of Israel. Amos is raising a conspiracy against you in the very heart of Israel. The the land cannot bear all his words, for this is what Amos is saying. Jeroboam will die by the sword, and Israel will surely go into exile away from their native land. Then Amaziah said to Amos, "'Get out, you seer. Go back to the land of Judah. Earn your bread there and and do your prophesying there. Don't prophesy any more at Bethel, because this is the king's sanctuary and the temple of the kingdom.' Amos answered Amaziah, "'I was neither a prophet nor a prophet's son, but I was a shepherd, and I also took care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, "'Go prophesy to my people Israel. Now then hear the word of the Lord.' You say, do not prophesy against Israel and stop preaching against the house of Isaac. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. Your wife will become a prostitute in the city, and your sons and daughters will fall by the sword. Your land will be measured and divided up, and you yourself will die in a pagan country. And Israel will certainly go into exile away from their native land. This is the word of our Lord.
1: Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. For from him and through him and to him are all things. At this time, I'd like to invite all of the young disciples who are here today to come forward for the children's message. And now is a good time to bring up your offering, your mighty mites as well. Thank All right, you guys can turn around and face me, okay? All right. I have a question for you guys this morning. Raise your hand. How many of you like getting in trouble? None of you do? Yeah. (laughs) We'll talk about, about you later, sir, okay? Yeah, nobody likes getting in trouble, okay? Because when you get in trouble, well then... That means that somebody is upset about something that you have done or uh, thought about doing or whatever the case might be, okay? How many of you know what the Ten Commandments are? Okay. Should be most of you, okay? The Ten Commandments are those laws, those things that God has given to us that he first gave to Moses. We're actually going to be talking about this at Vacation Bible School, Okay. Uh, that, that God gave to Moses to give to his people, right, in order to tell them how to live, okay? You are not to, to do this, okay? You are not to do this, and etc. all right? Well, sometimes we don't always do the things that we should, right? And sometimes we get in trouble when we do that, okay? But God does not like sin, okay? He... He hates sin, and he did not like sin so much that he sent Jesus to die for sin, to become sin, to die for us. And what we're going to be talking about in the message today is is how God has called us as his people to confront sin, okay, to call sin out, to do it in a loving way, but to make sure that that sin is called out, is confronted, so that forgiveness then can follow, We just, a few moments ago, we just went through that part in the service which we call confession and absolution. We confront our own sins, we confess all of them before God, and we know that as his word says, God is faithful and just, and he will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay? Will you guys put your hands together and repeat after me? Dear Jesus, Jesus. thank you you. for for your law and for your gospel. Please help us to see our sin, to confess it to you, so that we may be forgiven. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising again for me. We love you, Lord. Amen. Thanks for coming up. You guys can go back and sit with your folks.
2: The epistle reading is from Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 through 14. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. This is the word of our Lord.
1: The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the sixth chapter. King Herod heard about this, for Jesus' name had become well known. Some were saying John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Others said he is Elijah, and others claimed he is a prophet like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, the man I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him but she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous man and a holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. Finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for anything you want, and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath Whatever you ask, I will give you up to half my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. At once the girl hurried in to the king with the request. I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was greatly worried. Because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in the prison, and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. On hearing of this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. You all pray with me, please. Dear Lord, may the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours this morning from God our Father and through the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The texts for the message this morning are both from the Old Testament lesson and the Gospel lesson that was just read, and you want to have those kind of in front of you because we'll be referring to those as we go along here this morning. And the two texts for this morning have this similarity. Both are accounts of the consequences when people are confronted in their sin. And there are two important aspects of this that we're going to be talking about this morning. The first is when we are the ones confronting people in their sin, And the second is when we are the ones being confronted. But before we get to those aspects, we need to answer this question. Does God even call us to confront others in their sin? Well, we know that he certainly called the prophets to. Amos is the most obvious example for today. But then, of course, there is the prophet Nathan with David, and the prophet Isaiah, and many more. But what about us? Does he call us to confront other people in their sin? As a matter of fact, he does. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus says, If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault, just between the two of you. Also in Galatians chapter 6, Paul writes, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. So now that we know that there is biblical precedence for confronting others in their sin, let's take a look at our two texts. First from Amos. Amos was a shepherd and not one of the, I guess, regular kind of prophets that God had called before. Particularly interesting is this. He comes from the tribe of Judah and prophesies against the king of Israel with such ruthlessness that it is said that he was eventually beaten to death by the priest Amaziah with a club. However, and nonetheless, God called Amos to confront the king, Jeroboam, because he continued with the worship of calves. And he has some pretty scathing words for him. He says, Jeroboam will die by the sword, and Israel will surely go into exile, away from their native land. And so Amaziah, who was the priest at that time, tells Amos to go away and not to prophesy in Israel anymore. He's tired of hearing about it. But Amos isn't done yet. Because a few verses later, he says that the wives of Israel will be forced into prostitution. Its sons and daughters will be killed without mercy. And its land will be taken and divided as the plunderers, who would eventually be the Assyrians, how they would see fit. And so, for his efforts in doing what the Lord had called him to do in confronting Jeroboam about his sin, Amos was told to leave, and quite possibly he was killed for speaking the truth. So, that leads us to John the Baptist. Now, this text is rather unique because of how John the Baptist, how, how it is told that John the Baptist was killed, is told in a retroactive fashion. Herod hears about Jesus and all of the miraculous things that he is doing, and he suddenly becomes paranoid. We know that Herod was extremely paranoid. He was married several times, killed all of his wives, and killed many of his kids because of his paranoia. He thinks that this Jesus that he keeps hearing about is actually John the Baptist, whom he has killed, has come back to haunt him. And we learned that John had told Herod that the life that Herod was leading was was a sinful one, not only because of the detestable things that he was doing, but mainly because of the woman whom he chose to marry, Herodias. You see, Herod was not allowed to marry Herodias because she was previously married to Herod's brother, Philip. This was forbidden under law. And what is more, Herod and Philip were the uncles of Herodias. So yes, you heard that right, Herodias married both of her uncles. Because of this, Herodias, and because of John's testimony against Herod, Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted him dead. But Herod kept him alive because he liked John. And so he tries to appease his wife by having John put, it, put into prison so that he wouldn't be killed. Well, then the evening of this party comes that we read about in our text. And the daughter of Herodias, if you think about that very carefully, who is his daughter? His niece. His niece comes before Herod and dances in front of him in a, shall we say, suggestive way. And Herod is smitten with this girl and promises to give her anything that she wants up to half of his kingdom, which is interesting because he actually was not allowed to do that. So the girl returns to her mother, Herodias, and asks her what she should ask for. And Herodias, because of her hatred for John, tells her daughter, I want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. She runs back in and tells the king what the request is. Now at this point, Herod Herod is in quite a pickle, because he likes John and he doesn't want to kill him, but he certainly cannot go back on his oath that he took in front of all of his guests. And so he gives in to the girl's request, and the head of John the Baptist is brought to the banquet room for all to see. And so for his efforts in confronting others in sin, John the Baptist was not only put in prison, but he quite literally lost his head as well. But confronting others in their sin does not necessarily need to be what Amos and John did. Confronting others in their sin takes several different forms. As an example, how many of you have ever been in a conversation with a group of your friends where the topic is one that you know would even embarrass Jesus if he were sitting with you? Or perhaps they begin slandering someone else that you all know, speaking ill of them. Another example is in the places that we work. How many of of you have ever been witness to someone in your workplace doing something unethical? Perhaps fixing the numbers to make them look better. Perhaps stealing something. Yet another example is as Christians who are living in an increasingly non-Christian nation. We are called by God to stand up for what is godly and condemn what is not, and we are chastised for being intolerant. Perhaps in our relationship with our kids. Our kids don't like being told what to do. You will notice that none of them liked being in trouble. And they hate being punished for their sin, as we all did when we were kids. And so, what will you and I get for our efforts in confronting sin in these situations? Will we be cast out by our circle of friends? Will we become labeled as a whistleblower where we work? Will there be chastisement from others for standing up for what you believe, for what you believe is right? Are you fearful that your children will grow up and they won't like you? It is difficult. And they're all possible. And yet, as we read earlier, God still calls us, tells us to confront others in their sin. But now the other side of this coin. What happens when it is us? What happens when we are the ones being confronted in our sin? Have you ever been confronted by someone else in your sin before? And how did that go? Was it a hard conversation to have? Did you become angry? Were you in denial? Did you become defensive? Perhaps you haven't had anyone confront you in your sin yet, but perhaps you need someone to. Perhaps there is a sin in your life that you bury deep inside that you don't tell anyone else about. Or perhaps your sin is apparent. Perhaps your sin is obvious, and you know that it is, and people who know you, your family and your friends, they know it as well. And you need someone to confront you about it. And why do we need to be confronted in our sin? Why do we need to confront others? Because God wants sin confronted. Because when sin is confronted, when sin is brought to light, it is exposed. This from 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul writes, Don't you know that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast, as you really are. In this particular text, Paul is telling the Corinthians to stay away from sexually immoral people, but I think the same works when it comes to sin in our lives, no matter what the form is. The reason why God wants sin confronted, whether we are the ones confronted or whether we are the ones doing the confronting, is because sin corrupts. And the tiniest bit within us will ruin us. Sin is serious. God takes it very seriously, and that's why he sent Amos to tell the Israelites and their king of all of the wrong that they were doing. Because if they were not confronted, they would continue in their sin by worshiping false gods and becoming more and more corrupted and falling more and more away from their father in heaven. But one of the things that I have never been able to fully understand about God is why he continued to seek after the Israelites, even though they had and were repeatedly a corrupted people with their idol worship and their detestable life and their detestable lifestyles. Listen now to the last chapter from Amos. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. New wine will will drip from the mountains and flow from all the hills. I will bring back my exiled people Israel. I will plant Israel in their own land, never again to be uprooted from the land I have given them. So even after all of the dooming proclamations, the Lord still sought after his people. He still was going to bring them blessings that were overflowing. He was never going to give up on them. And the same goes for you and I. Even though our sin corrupts us to the point that God really should not want anything more to do with us, He still seeks after you. Every single person here is broken by sin. Every single one of us. And yet God still seeks you. God still comes after you. God still looks down the road for you. And when he sees you, he wraps you up in his loving arms. And he promises to never give up on you. Because even though confronting sin, whether it's others' lives or our own, is a hard thing to do, he confronted sin for us by sacrificing his own son Jesus who became sin, who took all of our sins upon himself and crucified them along with him, conquering sin So that it would infect us no longer, and the consequences of sin would be done away with forever. I want to conclude by pointing us to the hymn that we just sang. And my prayer for us is that the words of this hymn would be our prayer, would be ours to God this morning. If you want to take a look at that hymn, the hymn of the day, one more time. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the folds of God. He, to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand. We continue by reciting the words of our Christian faith using the Apostles' Creed as it is found printed in the back cover of your hymnal. I believe in God, the Father almighty, maker of please be seated. At this time, we collect our tithes and offerings. Now is a good time to fill out that red membership book in your pew. Those who receive it on the windows, please send it back to, to, to the aisles so the, so the elders can come by after worship to pick up the top sheets. We collect, we collect our tithes and offerings.
0: radio broadcasts are made possible by donations to the radio ministry of Trinity Lutheran Church. Please contact the church office for how you may help. The mission of Trinity Lutheran Church is the preaching, teaching, baptizing, and sharing the love of Christ in our church, our community, and our world. We now have it set up to allow people to donate online to help with the ministries of Trinity Lutheran Church and School. There is a button on both trinityfrystat.org and freistatradio.com's websites where you will be allowed to donate to the ministries. Trinity Lutheran Vacation Bible Study will start today at 5.30 p.m. and go till 7.45 p.m. There will be dinner, Bible studies, skits, games, and crafts. Tons of fun. There will be a covered dish dinner on Sunday, July the 29th, following the church service. The voters' meeting will immediately follow the dinner. A men's Bible study meets at 6.30 a.m. each Wednesday morning in the chapel. Several lady Bible studies meets during the week in surrounding areas. For more information, call the church office at 417-235-7300. We will now rejoin the congregation in the celebration of Holy Communion.
1: our prayers this morning, we have a few folks that we want to be sure to remember to pray for. First for those on our health list, from Melvin McCord, Nancy McRoberts, Flora Oberman, Landrith Worm, Ernest Shane, Janice Meyer, Myron Reed, Carol McIntyre, Oren Fritz, Ethel Helmkamp, Joan Haynes, Addison Trokey, Steve Doss, Becky Morgan, Wayne Towers, Bob Dotson, Elda Nelson, Bob Jelinek, Lauren Cly Baker, Mark Felwock, Linda Wee, Gary Magruder, Billy Voskamp, Thelma Barnes, Doris Tilton, Emma Conklin, and Nick Prater. Also for the family of Jared Brockman, whose father Jim passed away on Wednesday. Also for those celebrating birthdays and anniversaries, for Janice Meyer, who will celebrate 85 years of life on July the 19th. Uh, For Glenn and Kim Menning, celebrating 38 years of marriage on July the 19th. For Philip and Debbie Trokey, who will celebrate 39 years of marriage on July 20th. And for Stephen and Janie Doss, who will celebrate 25 years of marriage on July 21st. We go to our Lord in prayer. Please stand. Dear Lord, whether the sin is ours or someone else's, it is not something that we like dealing with. Give us the courage to confront our own sin and the love to confront it in others. That you, uh, and we thank you, that you have paid the price for sin by the shedding of your innocent blood that the sting of the law that was placed upon you was not placed upon us that we might live. Lord, in your mercy. Bless all public servants, Lord, as they attempt to provide safety and firmness to our society. Give them courage to protect the free exercise of faith and to honor and protect every life from conception to death. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, Your grace is sufficient for us, and Your power is made perfect in weakness. Into Your loving hands we commend all, for, we commend all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. Especially the family of Jared Brockman, and for all those, Lord, that we name before You in our hearts. Lord, grant them patience in their afflictions and trust in your wisdom. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we especially give you thanks for all those who are celebrating birthdays and anniversaries this week. We pray especially for Glenn and Kim, Debbie and Philip, and Stephen and Janie. And we ask that your love would increasingly shine in their lives together. In the days ahead, may they always grow in love with unity in may they always grow in love and unity with one another. Lord, also for Janice, who has her 85th birthday this week. Shower her with peace and happiness on this special day, and may that divine peace and happiness follow her the rest of her life. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, your Son invites us to share together at this altar the priceless gift of his body and blood that won for us forgiveness on Calvary's tree and promises us a share in his resurrection life. Cast away, from all of, cast away from us all unbelief, and fill us with faith to welcome him and receive a share in the everlasting inheritance. Lord, in your mercy, these things and everything else you know that we need, grant to us, Lord, for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. We lift, we lift up, lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks unto the Lord our God. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should, at all times and in all places, give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty. Give thanks to you, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Everlasting God, for the countless blessings you so freely bestow on us and all creation. Above all, we give thanks for your boundless love shown to us when you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, into our flesh and laid on him our sin, giving him into death that we might not die eternally. Because he is now risen from the dead and lives and reigns to all eternity, all who believe in him will overcome sin and death and will rise again to new life. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and singing. us Lord as we pray in his name and as he has taught us. Our Father, the Lord The Lord's Supper is God's gift for Christians who are properly taught. In communion, we want people to receive Christ's body and blood for their good. This means that as you come to the Lord's table, you affirm with each communicant that Jesus is your Savior and Lord, and with Lutheran Christians, you confess, I recognize and confess that I am a sinner. I repent. Lord Jesus Christ, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples and said, Take eat, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and said, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us pray. We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us to this salutary gift, and we implore you that of your mercy that you would strengthen us through the same, in faith towards you and in fervent love toward one another, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Be to God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with His favor and give you His peace. Amen.
0: It has been our pleasure to bring you this worship service from Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistat, Missouri. We pray that you have benefited spiritually from this service and invite you to worship with us next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. If you are not able to be with us in person, we invite you to listen by means of this radio station on freistatradio.com. We commend you to the loving care of our gracious Heavenly Father. May His love surround you and His mercy be evident to you in all things. Your announcer has been Darren Shane.
1: A special word of welcome to all guests and visitors today. Thank you so much for being here. We pray that your time here was a blessed one. Just a reminder that VBS begins this evening, uh, and if you have not yet uh, signed your kids or your grandkids or any kids that you know of to be a part of that, there is still time to do that. Uh, and so we would love to have you there and to see you there. Also, um, there will be no, I announced it wrong at the beginning of the service, because of Vacation Bible School. Uh, and I will be helping out with that. There is no Thursday night Bible study this coming Thursday, Uh, and so please mark that on your calendars as well. I pray that you all have a very, very blessed week.